You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Chris and Nick Show here on the Big Blue View Radio. I am one of the hosts, Nick Filato, joined as always by Chris Flum. And today we're going to be talking about New York Giants fifth round selection, DJ Davidson out of the University of Arizona State out here in the sunny state of Arizona. Chris, how you doing, my friend? Yeah, I'm doing well. Like you said, it's sunny. Sun is shining. I, I'm not out there in Arizona, but you know, I, the weather seems to finally have gotten itself straight. <laughs> yes, I heard in the East Coast it's been a little wild this summer, but... Today, we are talking about Mr. DJ Davidson, and I found this draft selection pretty interesting, Chris, because it deviated from what Joe Shane and Brian Dable did throughout the previous parts of the draft. Because if you look at a lot of these draft picks that this new regime selected, they're all younger players. They're guys who are 20, who will be 21 at the start of the season, guys who have high RAS and athletic testing. So you're going after a lot of guys who are really athletic, whereas DJ Davidson does not fit that criteria. DJ Davidson is a mountain of a man, but he's also somebody who I think he'll be 25 years old at the start of the season. Don't hold me to that, but he is 24 as of right now. So this is an older prospect who isn't necessarily a great athlete, even for his position, but he is gigantic at six foot three and some change, 327 pounds. What were your initial impressions when the Giants selected DJ Davidson? And why do you think they went in this direction and deviated from a format that they seem to appreciate? You know, very first impression is, Wow, that's a big dude. And it makes sense that they would draft a nose tackle because they really didn't have a nose tackle you know, on their roster. You know, they've got Justin Ellis, and that's kind of it at the nose tackle position. You know, they let Austin Johnson leave. Uh, Dalvin Tomlinson is long gone. The, the Giants needed a big guy who could hold up blockers in the middle of their defense. Yeah. We know Wink Martindale loves his blitz games. He loves to scheme pressure. But you still need a big guy in the middle of your defense to keep your linebackers clean, to occupy blockers, to you know, create those running lanes for your blitzers. And you can't do you can't have just one guy on your roster who can do that. You know, the big guys, they need rest. You, they need to rotate off the field every so often. And you need depth at that position. So I I'm not surprised that they drafted a nose tackle. I just kind of like with the tight end position, I knew it was going to happen. I just didn't know who it was going to be or when it was going to happen. I think that's a good way to look at it. And in terms of DJ Davidson, I've only heard great things about his character on and off the field. And I think there are elements of that that 
kind of weighed into this decision. Now, this is a late fifth round selection right here. Somebody who I believe will make the team, and I do agree. I looked at the Giants roster before the draft, and I was like, I don't know how much longer Leonard Williams or Dexter Lawrence will be here. We had Dalvin Tomlinson lead before the last season. There's going to need to be an influx of talent at the defensive line position, which isn't the sexiest position to draft. Dave Gettleman, he would disagree, but it's not the sexiest position to draft. <laughs> but you get DJ Davidson at this part of the draft and I'm like, okay, let's see what's going to happen here. And I went through his film and we'll get into his strengths and his weaknesses, but I kind of want to touch a little bit on some just pro football focused stats and stats in general. He had 11 pressures last year. So you're not talking about someone who's going to necessarily push the pocket all that often or give you a lot of path rushing upside. He also had only one sack last year, which is fine, but he had 32 stops in 542 total snaps, played 260 of those snaps as a pass rusher and 281 as a run defender. So pretty balanced in terms of his usage on the field in the down in distance and the situation. And I think maybe not this year, but eventually he might find his way onto the field in passing situations if he can prove that he can use his upfield burst to occupy blockers on like four-man pressure twists and things like that. But other than that, I wouldn't expect much from him as a pass rusher. Yeah, especially early on in his career. Yeah, uh, One thing I noticed that was a little bit weird on his tape, and we can talk about this a little bit more a little bit later, it, but Arizona State used him as a looper a fair amount, at least from what I was what I saw, which seems like not the best way to use a guy with his uh athletic profile yeah he really does seem like a guy who's at his best in passing situations pushing the pocket you know he's not going to get penetration he's not going to shoot gaps but he can he can get in front of a center or a guard get good extension with his arms he's got reasonably good arm length plays with good leverage and just kind of drive those guys back and really kind of collapse the pocket that way and eventually as he gets used to playing in the NFL, playing against NFL linemen with NFL technique, maybe that is an area where he can contribute in the pass rush game. But for the most part, I think early on, he's probably just going to be, you know, playing relief for Justin Ellis, maybe a guy the Giants bring on the field for, you know, super heavy sets in obvious, you know, like third and short or goal line situations where you just need to create a pile vacations can be tricky you already know how to book flights and hotels but now the only thing you're missing is you know the actual travel experience because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home you need a tool to get the most out of your time away that's where viator steps in you can book guided tours activities excursions and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. 
Yeah, I think he's going to be Jelly's relief. I think that's the best way to put it. And I also think this is excellent for DJ Davidson because he gets to learn from Jelly. Because I learned from Leonard Williams and even Dexter Lawrence and a lot of other guys who are in that defensive line room. One thing that stuck out to me, and yes, I like his lower leg drive, his ability to generate some force through his hips into his target. I don't know how translatable that is to being a successful trade of his early on in his career, like you said. But I felt like as a run defender, he was good at anchoring down against static blocks. And he also, when he keyed the snap well, Chris, I felt like he had pretty quick hands to quickly shed. There were several tackle for losses that he had. It was one against Stanford, one against Colorado, where right at the snap, he just engaged the swim move. So he just hit the stun and then flashed the swim move, went right over the top and then found the ball carrier. Showed pretty solid short area quickness for a guy of his size to locate him. And in each of those plays, he got a tackle for a loss. And I'm like, okay, that showed me some quickness there because you're not going to look at DJ Davidson and necessarily say, oh, this guy's a quick player. But I feel like when he engages his hands well and uses timing to his advantage, he can really catch offensive linemen or trying to lean into contact and then use that against them. That's something that did stick out to me. It wasn't something I saw all the time. But when he keyed the snap well, Chris, I, I came away being like, okay, this guy, this guy can really flash some quick hands here. Yeah, I think that he does have that initial quickness, but he's not going to carry that throughout the snap. Like, I I liked the competitive toughness he played with. He fought through blockers. He fought to hold up blockers. And I really liked his, his toughness in pursuit. You know, he's a high motor player. But outside of that initial quickness, he's not a great athlete. You know, he's basically rated out as poor in yeah, 40 yard dash. He had a five, two, two 40 yard dash. He had a really not good seven, eight, five, three cone, uh broad jump of seven feet, 11 inches, which wasn't even, which didn't even make the first percentile. Yeah. This, this guy is not an athlete. He is not nearly as good an athlete as Dexter Lawrence, but he also doesn't really need to be to play the nose tackle position. You know, I really feel like nose tackle is a lot more of a technique and leverage and balanced base position than just being a raw athletic position. Yeah. A lot of giants fans look at Dexter Lawrence and say, well, he's so huge. Why doesn't he play nose tackle? Why do we keep going out and getting other guys to play nose tackle? And really the answer is, is like, he's not very good at nose tackle things. Yes, he's huge and he's very powerful, but he doesn't have that, the same kind of uh, natural understanding of leverages and angles that guys who really are more naturally suited to the nose tackle position have. And that's something I do feel like I saw from Davidson, just a really good natural feel for leverage with both his his own personal leverage, you know, keeping his hips down, shoulder keeping his pads down, getting inside leverage, getting underneath blockers pads, and also being able to leverage the ball. And in terms of Dexter Lawrence, too, I would argue that having a guy who's 345 pounds and he possesses those types of athletic traits that he does have, I don't want to say it's a waste of talent to have him at nose tackle, but I think he is more of a nuisance if you do put him at the four eye, if you do put him at the two eye, and you really create these tough angles for guards to really locate him because he is so strong and he does have a quick first step, and he is very athletic for a guy his size. I mean, I'll go through the all 22 endlessly. 
every year of the New York Giants. And there have been several plays, and I put them on Twitter, where I'm like, I don't know how a guy who's pushing 350 can sink his weight like Dexter Lawrence does and, and kind of show, like, not bend in the sense of Von Miller winning high side, but just a natural flexibility to avoid optimal blocks from offensive linemen. And that's something that Dexter Lawrence shows. So sometimes I'm like – Put him somewhere else and allow a, a true nose tackle, someone who really can master that craft, to occupy the nose tackle position and then just stress the crap out of other double teams and other offensive linemen by aligning Dexter Lawrence in another place. Yeah, and just to go off on a, a little tangent, it will be interesting to see what would happen with the Giants' new defensive line coach, Andre Patterson, with Dexter Lawrence because we we saw what Patterson did in Minnesota with Linval Joseph, with Daniil Hunter, guys who have just unreal physical tools but weren't great at consistently using them before he got them Andre Patterson I'm really excited if there's a positional coach that I'm really excited for coming in, and I know we were really excited for coach Sean Spencer as well coach chaos love coach chaos but I think Patterson is going to bring this this just veteran coach type of mentality to this New York Giants room and he's going to teach each of these players specifically so if this guy if dj davidson learns this way he's going to find a way to maximize his learning potential and then he's going to do the same for dexter lawrence and leonard williams i'm really excited about that but back to dj davidson some weaknesses or some things that just kind of stuck out on film to me uh when i was watching the oregon state game i felt like whenever he was moving laterally and this wasn't consistent through other games but if he was a tick behind what the play was going to be, and that's not necessarily on his fault, but like if he didn't predict what the play was going to be, essentially, I did feel like there were times against Oregon State where he just got out leveraged when he was moving laterally and his pad level would rise just a little bit. And then he could never really find the football again. And he would either just kind of get flowed out of the play or just allow the offensive lineman to swivel around him and again, kind of, get himself out leveraged a little bit. That's something that stuck out to me specifically against Oregon state, a little bit against USC. Did you see that at all? Yeah, I, I did notice that when he let his pads rise and I, I felt like that happened more on the move, you know, as opposed to just playing downhill, then he was able to keep his pad level pretty good most of the time. But like you said, moving laterally, once he got his pads up, that, that was kind of it for him. Like he wasn't able to reestablish that le- that leverage that allows him to really use his play strength to its most. And, you know, once that was gone, that really was kind of it for him in the play. And I, and I say that too, but I also acknowledge there were a couple plays against Oregon State that where he was moving laterally, where he was aligned in a one shade to the backside of the play. And he was able to have this natural ability to split the center. And then the guard who was trying to reach him. And when he used his hands, he did a good job keeping his chest clean and then flowing to the play side to just force the running back into just an absolute mess. I saw that a couple of times too. So I don't even think the Oregon state tape was all that bad. It's just, there were plays where he found himself on the ground and he was just looked a little bit sloppy, like that athletic ability and that lack of leverage. While when he did allow the pad level to rise, was kind of used against him a little bit. But Chris, I wanted to ask you, I know we touched on this a little bit before, and we can kind of dive into the Giants' depth chart right here at defensive tackle. Where do you think DJ Davidson slides in in year one? I know we talked about him being the backup to Justin Ellis, and that's where I ultimately think he will be used. But do you think there is an opportunity for him to possibly get on the football field if it's not just to spell Justin Ellis? Yeah, I, I think the possibility is there. 
I don't think it will come around all that often. Uh, I really do think that if both of those guys are on the field, it's because it's like a third or fourth and one and, or a goal line situation. And the giants are basically just selling out to stop the run, you know, maybe like week one against the Tennessee Titans. And it's a real short yard situation. Everybody in the stadium knows that Derrick Henry is getting the ball and the giants are just, okay, we are not letting this guy get a yard or six inches or whatever. And they want all of their big guys up on the line of scrimmage. It, that I think is his best case to get onto the field on defense and not as a backup player. I think you're hundred percent on right there. I think he's going to be used on special teams, be the one of the big bodies in the center of special teams. I think he will make the roster. If you look at the depth chart right here, you have Lenny and Dex, boom, boom, Justin Ellis. Those are your top three big dogs at defensive line. And then after those guys, I feel like it's up for grabs because you have David Moa carry over from last year, somebody who had solid snaps here and there, specifically more so in preseason last season. He's going to be competing for a roster spot with Jalen Holmes, Ohio State, fourth round selection, 102 back in 2018 out of Ohio State, spent three years with Andre Patterson. He's a six foot five, 285 pound long type of defensive lineman who hasn't had too much success since he came into the NFL, albeit he did have a 19 pressure season in 2020 with Minnesota. So he might have an inside track on, on snaps if he makes a final roster. But I am also interested, Chris, in these UDFAs at the defensive line position, specifically Christopher Hinton out of Michigan and then Jabari Ellis out of South Carolina. You also have Ryder Anderson, who's a little bit more of an edge out of Oklahoma. He was a transfer from Ole Miss. Do you how do you feel like those guys can eat into DJ Davidson's workload? And Christopher Hinton's the one that I really, really feel like could because he is such a good run defender. Yeah, I think Hinton is the biggest competition to be the backup nose tackle there. Yeah, I'm curious as to how much the Giants are going to use a pure nose tackle in their defense. Like, yeah, I know I mentioned at the top of the at the top of the podcast, how you need those big guys to keep your linebackers clean, to create opportunities for pass rushers, for blitzers. But Wink Martindale also does love to use alignment to manipulate blocking schemes. And a lot more of the Giants' uh, defensive linemen, which I think we could probably also, even though he's listed in this uh, depth chart as a Sam linebacker, throw Jihad Ward in there as a, defensive lineman because you know he he's again you know, like six foot five 295 300 pounds they've got a lot of those guys and the giants really don't have a whole lot invested in the nose tackle or you know zero technique one technique the the big run stoppers they they basically have justin ellis dj davidson and maybe christopher hinton the rest of the guys there are all kind of athletic penetrators. You know, also got uh, Ellerson Smith out there as a big, long, athletic guy who, if you put him in position to penetrate into the backfield, he's got the ability to do that. So I really do wonder just how many snaps any of these nose tackles are going to play, especially once the Giants start getting outside of their base defenses. 
which I'm a hundred percent certain Wink Martindale is going to be outside of his base defense quite often. And you're going to see some unique packages, like two defensive linemen, you know, four linebackers, sometimes four outside linebackers. Like there's going to be a lot of creativity to what Wink Martindale is going to do. If it's anything like what he did with the Baltimore Ravens, where they had a bunch of different rushing packages. And I'm also curious to see like, who's going to be the Calais Campbell here that, seemingly would be like a Leonard Williams but Calais Campbell last year was a little bit more of a diversion if you go through a lot of the big sacks it's just him just occupying like two blockers sometimes three blockers to allow one of those second level defenders to come in blitz and then possibly get a sack which happened quite often down there in Baltimore but all in all man I'm I'm excited to see how this all plays out yeah that's, that's definitely going to be really interesting to see I think Really, more than anything, or well, maybe not more than anything, but that's definitely among the top things I'm looking for in the second and third preseason games. Your first preseason game, uh, just get through without injuries. Yeah, and I think one more note I want to bring up about DJ Davidson before we head out of here. He was a player that was hurt throughout his college career. I believe it was in 2018. He broke his fibula. And uh, he lost 25 pounds rehabbing that leg injury. And then he returned to start 12 out of 13 games in 2019. It's just, I don't think it's like a broken fibula. It's not a torn ACL. It's not like a torn patellar tendon or anything like that. But I still want to just kind of acknowledge the fact that he did deal with an injury in college and he did lose a bunch of weight. And then he had to find a way to put all that weight back on, which he did successfully. And it's not sloppy. So I wanted to bring that up as well. Yeah. And that, and that is kind of important. And you know, I think it also does kind of illustrate how hard some of these guys have to work to maintain their weight. You know, we always worry about, you know, the bigger guys, well, are they going to be able to keep their weight under control? But, you know, there's also the matter of just staying dedicated in the weight room, staying dedicated in the kitchen to keep, to just stay at your playing weight, even if your body wants to be weigh, wants to weigh less. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it, it's something that uh, you always think about struggles with weight management in terms of people trying to lose weight, like the Eddie Lacy's and things like that. But keeping your weight is also a struggle that these NFL players have to deal with. Great point, Chris. Chris, anything else on DJ Davidson or the defensive line or anything like that? I'm just looking forward to seeing him in action. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Chris and Nick show here on Big Blue View Radio. Please head on over to BigBlueView.com. We are covering the New York Giants extensively. And also, please leave a comment and subscribe to this podcast. You can trash us in the comments, but please leave us a five-star review. Thank you, everybody, and take care of each other. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the <laughs> No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.